Seekers, joy givers, anyone looking for an infusion of joy, you've come to the right place. My name is Deb McGregor. We've got another great show lined up for you. But first, let's give a great big thank you to our sponsor. When it comes to planning for your future, you want an advisor who understands your Christian values. Ameriprise Financial Advisors Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson offer financial planning based on biblical principles. They can help you plan for your goals in a way that is consistent with your faith. Call Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson today. Office is located downtown Bemidji at 122 3rd Street Northwest or at 1202 1st Street East in Park Rapids. Ameriprise Financial offers financial services without regard to religious affiliation or cultural background. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Arise Financial Group, a division of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Thank you so much, and thank you to all of you for choosing to be with us today. I know you will not be disappointed. God has something for you. I am convinced of it, because our special guest today is Kyle Euland. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Appreciate Woo! it. <laughs> I'm so excited about this. We should give people a little uh, how you got here. So we had your mom and Euland on yes. about, oh my gosh, that was probably about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Time flies when we're having fun <laughs> yeah, with the Lord. Right. And uh, we were talking about the fact that you are involved with crew ministry. And I said, oh my gosh, we have to have him come when you're going to be in town because you are actually based in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So welcome to the show. Great to be here. (laughs) All the way from Seattle, live into Grand Forks, North Dakota. I love it. So first of all, let's give people an opportunity to meet you, get a little bit of a feel for you because you are an amazing, amazing person working in ministry for the Lord. We need to know more about you. Sure. Yeah. A little bit about Kind of like my background, where I'm coming from. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so I kind of, I grew up in North Dakota. I'm a farm boy from North Dakota. And I grew up in a pretty, yeah, Christian household. Like, I grew up going to church. I knew all the right Jesus answers in my head, but it never really penetrated my heart fully. And so I was kind of just going through the motions a lot of, even through high school, really, until my junior year of high school, when I pursued after everything you saw in the news that a guy is supposed to like to do. Like, I pursued after, like, dating multiple girls at the same time. I went after sports. I went after my career and. Going to University of Washington in Seattle was a big deal. But the one thing I noticed in all three of these different situations was that I felt more empty and less and less satisfied inside after I achieved all these things. And so it was kind of at that point, I remember saying to God, you know, man, this is all I'm living for. This is really pathetic. This is not fulfilling at all. And then I remember saying to God, hey, God, you know my heart. Like You created me and know what's best for me. And if you show me the way, I will follow you to the ends of the earth. And that was really the time where I think everything kind of just clicked. And for the first time in my life, I felt overjoyed and fulfilled it for once in my life. And so I would say that was kind of the point I began my relationship with God. And then I went out to Seattle and uh, to get my undergrad degree in music and accounting. So very two different. Well, that, boy, that's a whole conversation. You talk about head and heart combination. Oh, my goodness, absolutely. That's right there for yes. sure. Yeah, that's, that's right. Passion and practicality. You know, if I wanted to start my own company, I could do tenors and taxes, start <laughs> interesting money people's taxes, but... But no, then I eventually throughout my time in college kind of realized, I think my heart is truly for doing ministry. And that's eventually what led me to want to go into ministry. There's a longer story there. But for time's sake, I found myself wanting to join crew, got involved with crew, got felt more in love with the people I got to meet there and graduated from college. And I interned in Seattle this last year. And now I actually moved down about a month ago. I moved down to Salt Lake City to be working with crew in Salt Lake City now. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Okay, I forgot about the Salt Lake City component. Okay, we got to go back yep. to the very beginning a little bit because mm-hmm. you said so much <laughs> yeah. that I want to unpack some sure. of it for people. 
I love that you brought up the head and the heart piece mm. about I knew all these things in my head, but it wasn't sinking in my heart. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I will hear people talk about, well, I go to church, I do this, mm-hmm. I do that, but I don't feel God. Mm-hmm. I don't really experience him. Mm-hmm. That's the heart piece, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And for you, what was that the biggest difference you noticed in in shifting that head to heart piece? Um, I think for myself, it would be more of, that's a great question, actually, putting <laughs> 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 it down to it. But um, yeah, for me, I think I just really, I fully embraced, I just really came to realize, man, this God loved me so much that he is willing to die for me on the cross. Like, he loved me that much that he was willing to do that for me. I think that's kind of when it first clicked for me and realized that I've been looking for everything in this world that should be satisfying me, according to what I saw, but then realized that, okay, God ultimately knows me. He's the one that created me. So ultimately, if I want to get to know myself better, what actually satisfied me, I actually have to get to know God better. And so I think that's kind of what really kind of clicked and kind of switched it from, okay, I know about these things. Like I think about, you know, John 17, 3, the Lord's Prayer, or the high priestly prayer, forgive me, where it says, you know, and this is eternal life that you may know God. It doesn't say know about God. It says know God. Like it truly experience and get to know him in a relational, intimate way. And so I think that was kind of that point where it switched from, I know about God. Okay, cool. But now I actually know him and have a relationship with him. So I think that's kind of what, I think that's kind of what the change was really was if you got really minute within there. But. I love this. Like, I just want to, I want to push the little button that says, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> because I think this is it when people can start to grab mm-hmm. the difference between no and no, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, everything shifts. Yes. Because our relationship with mm-hmm. him grows and in that growing and when we seek that deeper, mm-hmm. that becomes, it becomes who we are. Right. It's how we show up in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because do you feel like sometimes people say, well, like when you show up as the ministry person, what's the difference of that versus here? No, there is no <laughs> so, difference yeah. because when God's in your heart, like that's just how you show up right. in the world, right? Yeah, and that's how yeah. you show up in the world. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, you know, uh, was it Second Timothy where it says, you know, be ready in season, out of season, like. I'm always kind of ready to give a pitch for something. I don't know what it is. It could be even the way I live my life or the way I'm talking or the way I'm thinking even. Like, how does that reflect even towards God, like for myself and even other people? How can they see God through the way I'm doing all that? So it's like 24-7 kind of job for me, it seems like. <laughs> I love it. And and it's really because it doesn't even feel like a job, no, does it? Because it's like your lifestyle. It's like, this is just who you are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I always like to think like when you're doing work for the Lord, mm-hmm. it's fun oh, because yeah. <laughs> it's like, hello. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah. JC and I are going to town today, oh, yeah. right? Absolutely. And I and I feel like, like even when you got out of the car, when, when, I, when you and your mom got here, I was like, you can see the joy of the Lord all over you. <laughs> like it is in your spirit. Mm-hmm. Like the minute I look, I'm like, you just have the glow. <laughs> I call it, it's like this glow of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And when people have it, they just have it and you see it in them. And you just know when you know when you know mm-hmm. that that is the Holy Spirit in that person yes. right there. And I love that. So, <laughs> okay. So more that I wanted to just break apart in all this, like, cause I'm just like really curious and I'm sure other people are too. Mm-hmm. You were bringing up this fact that uh, you, you sort of had all these ways of the world. Let's just call them ways of the sure. world. It is such a distraction, mm-hmm. especially for our young adults. Well, it probably oh, yeah. all ages. And I think it's very unique, especially for young adults right now during mm-hmm. COVID, because there is this yeah. loss of connection, this emptiness, this thing. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of them are getting distracted into fill your time with this, fill your mm-hmm. time with this. How do, for, first of all, how did you really make that bridge? I mean, it sounds like at some point you made a connection to this emptiness place. Mm-hmm. And how do we then take your experience and help our young adults now? Sure. Yeah, I think that maybe that even goes into kind of like, 
my ministry in general, kind of like my, if I meet a student on campus when I'm talking with them, what are some like the first things I wanted to ask them about? And one of the first things I think of is in Matthew 16, it's when Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ. It's that point where like he's, <laughs> Jesus asked the disciples, who are people saying that I am? And like, oh, some say you're this guy, some say you're this guy, some say you're this guy. And then the question he asked the disciples that is really, really interesting. He says, but who do you say I am? And I just love reflecting on that question, thinking about, okay, who do I say that he is? And how am I experiencing God? Who is God to me? And then I also like to ask the, the reciprocal of that question is, who does God say that I am? Because I think if, like, based off A.W. Tozer's work in his writing, he says, you know, your entire life depends on your view of God. Is one, one of the ways you can snops or summarize his works. And so if you think about it, like, I always like to open with that question, like, yeah, how do you experience God? What was your experience of God growing up? Was he very distant to you or was he very near to you? And then kind of expanding off there and thinking, like, why is that important? Like, what, what good does that do for you? And then ultimately that comes down to what are you really living for? And I think kind of a, a mixture of all those different questions, kind of nuances within that kind of leads to people thinking about, yeah, what do I actually value in my life? What is the most important thing in my life? What am I living for? And I think you can go a lot off of that and kind of go into different directions from there. But I think those are kind of some of the questions I like to ask even myself. Like it's not just the students I meet with, but more so even myself, I ask myself every day, like, what am I living for? What am I doing? And I think, yeah, based off that, it kind of drives the way that I live my life and how I experience God too. I love that you're bringing this up because it does look different to each of us. And mm -hmm. depending on what our experience was growing up, mm -hmm. it does affect how we see God. Yeah. And I was curious if you have worked with people who may be like, I know for me mm -hmm. that I grew up as sort of God is this, you know, hell and damnation and blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. And it's just like, you know, you just constantly, you, you, it was like this fear. And I don't mean awe. Mm -hmm. I mean, Fear, right. as in shaking in the boots yeah. that, you know, and, and never being good enough. That, the the mm. thing that I would probably phrase it as, I never felt like I would be good enough. Mm. And one of the things that I felt like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting kind of emotional about this. Mm. It's like, and your mom was one of the people who really helped me mm. uh, move towards the Lord. And um, one of the things that she and I shared was that I said, you know, I never felt good enough. Mm. I never felt like I was worthy of his love. Mm. And I think there's a lot of people out there that have had that experience mm -hmm. that that for me was the biggest thing I had to get over to realize, no, he died for me too. Mm -hmm. He died not just for the person that had that uh, upbringing and right. belief. He died for every single one of us. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious if you notice that a lot, is that oh, a, yeah. a common, because I don't, I don't want to say story because sure. it's real, yeah. but I'm, I'm just curious about that. Yeah, you definitely get, especially on bigger campuses, you get a wide range of different backgrounds where people are coming from. Like, for instance, like this last year, I kind of highlight with kind of three quick stories that people I got to meet with, kind of give an overall view of what the people I get to meet with. That is would like. be awesome. So the first story is about, a, yeah, a freshman guy. I'll, I'll call him Bill for the sake of him. <laughs> so, so I met with Bill early in the school year, um, just getting to know him over breakfast. Like our first meeting together, he was sharing with me how he's the first in his family to go to college. He's half Filipino, half Cuban, and he had a very, I think, more conservative, kind of very strict traditional upbringing in the, in the church. And he also came out openly that he was gay in our first meeting together, which I remember saying, hey, I feel really honored that you would trust me with that because that can be a scary thing to admit to people right away in the first meeting. And I went on to share my story coming from North Dakota and the challenges I faced going to Seattle for college and how Jesus has impacted my life. And at the end of the conversation, the thing he said that really impacted me, he said, you know, Kyle, I've never had a conversation with a Christian that didn't end in yelling. 
And I remember just sitting with that feeling both, I was heartbroken yet hopeful at the same time. Like, I feel so bad that his entire experience of God and Christianity has been people just shaming and shouting at him his entire life. But yeah, I'm also hopeful that maybe I was able to get, paint a different picture of a God who, yeah, just really, yeah, really does want to care and love people really, really well. And so, so that's Bill. And then the second one was the second story I share with, uh, call him Harry. And so with Harry, I came to meet with him early in the school year, got to share the gospel with him and just following up with him, asking him, yeah, do you have any questions where there's some things that make sense? Or I'd love to hear what you're thinking. And he said, you know, Kyle, I don't even know what to ask or what to think because I've never thought about faith, belief, or religion at all in my life, which I think coming from conservative Midwest, like that was very different because like right. everyone goes to church to have some experience with that, but that just was not Harry's experience. And so I continue to meet with him like every week, every other week, we grab lunch together and just kind of talk about life and college. And then at the end of the school year, I asked him a follow-up question of, yeah, Harry, where do you think you're at with that idea of faith, belief, and religion now? And to summarize where he got to at the end of the school year, he basically said, you know, maybe there's something in this whole God or Christianity thing for me after all. So I thought it was really cool to see him go from a place where he's never even touched the subject at all to now just being considering just open to like, yeah, this could be something for me, which is really cool. And then the last story I share is um, my friend, I'll call him Sam. So I met with Sam. It was almost exactly a year ago around Thanksgiving time, just kind of catching up with him, getting to hear where he's at. And I've been mentoring and discipling Sam for about four years now. And for that, we were waiting for our food to come to us. And I remember asking him, Sam, what do you think your life in ministry or really, yeah, what do you think ministry or life after college is going to look like for you walking with God? And he sat there trying to think of something to say. And he honestly started to get a little frustrated and depressed because he couldn't think of anything to say. And I remember sensing some of that tension. I remember saying to him, you know, Sam, just because you're not going into like full-time ministry minister like I'm doing doesn't mean you're any less of a Christian at all. Because for him, he wants to do construction management for a major. And so I painted a picture for him saying, you know, Sam, maybe for you what that looks like is you show up to your work site every single day, you bust your butt, you never get tired, and you don't complain. And maybe your coworkers start to ask him, wonder, and take notes and say, how do you do this, Sam? Like, you're never tired. You don't complain. What's your secret? How do you do this? And Lord willing, maybe he gets a chance to share the gospel from those conversations with them. I think the coolest thing, like talking about joy, that was really cool. After I said that to him, you could see him perk up and get excited and say, you mean I could be a witness in whatever occupation I'm in? Like, yes. That is where I would hope you could get to by the time you're done with college. Because I know like you were talking about, um, yeah, ne- maybe not, never measuring up to be a good enough Christian. And I know that was kind of part of what I experienced when I was in college. There was a guy in crew that I really looked up to because one, he was better than me at basketball, which I didn't like. <laughs> and then two, he was a really strong prayer warrior. So that was... Like, I want to be just like that guy by the time I'm done with college. But he was older. He graduated before me. And I came to realize that, you know, I'm not this guy. And my walk with God is going to look different than his. So how can I help other students kind of discover and tell them that my job when I meet with you is not to become the next Kyle. I want you to be the best uh, Sam or Harry that God wanted you to be. So how can I figure out what that calling and that gifting is for your life? And, And then two, how can I help you experience or just get a taste of what it looks like to be in relationship with God? that you want to go the next 40, 50, 60 years of your life, want to be even more intimate with God. And so I think that kind of highlights what this last year and some of the conversations I get in with people. Um, those are the nicer conversations. I definitely get some, I've gotten some resistance before some from other groups, but those are the nicer stories, we'll say. Well, what I love about this, though, number one, I love that you meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. And that is so refreshing. Mm-hmm. And there, I mean, there's things I could say about each of those stories. Mm-hmm. And I know that that piece about the yelling, I have had that, said to me so many times, mm-hmm. Deb, you're one of the first people that has listened 
You're one of the first people that has shown me the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I believe that is so important. And well, we're commanded in the Bible to do yeah. that, right? <laughs> and and sometimes I think we lose that. One thing you are reminding me of, and I want to say thank you, is about being patient in the mm-hmm. journey of ministering and mentoring. Mm-hmm. I sometimes find myself, and I'm guessing probably some people listening in that sense of I have this conversation and what if they don't come to Jesus Christ today? Are they going to be like, what if this happened? What if this? And I, and I find myself doing that little overthinking Mm -hmm. game. Right. And what you're reminding me of is that this is a journey Mm -hmm. and that we are planting these seeds. Each conversation is a seed and the Holy spirit at some point will come through Mm -hmm. when it is the right time for that person. Because as we know, in Jeremiah, God has a plan for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's on God. God's got the timing for mm-hmm. that. Our role is the discernment of mm-hmm. when is my time to be available. Right. And so thank you for that reminder, because don't you think we can, it's so easy to get caught up oh, in yeah. that. Oh my gosh, where are they at? What's going on? Do, do they know the Lord? Do they? Like, that was honestly, that was probably one of the harder things, even this last year interning with crew was, you know, I had this weird fear that, you know, if I'm not quote unquote producing Christians, then the church is as well. Like we're, we're, <laughs> we're in trouble. I love your authenticity. It's, like, it's so refreshing. We're done. And so I remember, I remember after, I think some of that, a verse that really helped me with that, I think it was in Luke 10 when, when the 72 come back and they're like, hey, we're casting out demons. We're healing people. Like things are going on. But then Jesus says, hey, don't rejoice in that, that the demons respond to you. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. Mm. And just always going back to like, hey, God loves me. I am saved because we did on the cross. I can rest in that fact and just rest in the work that he is doing through me and not like, yeah, I, I'm fortunate that he was going to use me. a messed up, broken sinner sometimes. Like, you're still going to use me? That's pretty remarkable. So, Well, that's a <laughs> look at the Bible. Hello. Yeah, he, right there's so. a lot of us sinners in there. <laughs> well, and I love, the other thing I love about your journey and your testimony is that you're talking about some of the challenges you had in your mm-hmm. walk. And I think as a mom, <laughs> And I'm sure there's other moms and dads out there listening that are thinking, okay, it's going to be okay. I need to keep in prayer, but I need to know and trust God has mm-hmm. a plan for my children too. And yeah. I think that's that's a big thing for mm-hmm. all of us. As parents, <laughs> I can just tell you right now that one of the biggest thing is to let go of that yeah. peace sometimes because it isn't always easy. And it, it's not always this, oh, it's this night straight pathway and everything just <laughs> works out. Um, let's talk a little bit about crew. <laughs> so you made an intentional decision to get more involved. So let's talk about what mm-hmm. that looks like, uh, what is the day-to-day with that, mm-hmm. and sort of, yeah, what's this all about? Yeah, so CREW is an interdenominational inter- organization that has like a model of a caring community, passionate about connecting people to Christ. And a lot, of, a lot of what that looks like is, I would say at least 50% of our time is spent one-on-one with students, kind of discipling them, doing Bible studies with them, just helping them out with life in general, and kind of, yeah, helping them with those questions like, yeah, what do I want to do with my life? How can I be a witness to people in my life decisions? And then a lot of that time, too, we also do like weekly Bible studies that we kind of prep for, and that's kind of open to, you get you get some differing kind of uh, audiences that you can get there. Like you have one that's more seeker-friendly or kind of new new believers, and you have some who are maybe further along in their walk with God that need kind of a different kind of development there. So we do kind of weekly Bible studies. Most most crews, like it's kind of different campus to campus, but most crews will do at least um, every every week or every other week, we'll do like a large group meeting where everyone gathers together, hears a message or maybe some reflective questions or something like that. And then we also do kind of retreats and um, yeah, just kind of a lot of fun hangouts. So I think because the biggest thing probably right now, especially is kind of creating community, especially in the midst of COVID, community can be a really hard thing to find. And even I found one of the interesting things I would ask students when I was at University of Washington, which has over 
almost over 50,000 students. I, know, I can't even imagine. It's huge huh? with grad students. And I remember one of the more common answers you get is like, yeah, how do you, do you feel like you plug in anywhere? Do you find communities? Like most of them would say no, like they don't feel like they belong anywhere, which at a campus of 50,000, you would think it'd be pretty easy to find a club that you connect with somehow, but that just isn't a lot of people's experience. And so how can we bring that kind of community to students? And we do that through, yeah, Bible studies, outreaches or retreats and everything like that. So that's kind of, I would say like the day-to-day is spent on like, how do you, um, yeah, meeting with students one-on-one, preparing for Bible studies or maybe long-term prepping for like a, a spring break trip or something like that. So I would say that hopefully that gives a pretty good picture of the stuff that staff gets to do in general. So did you move online during COVID and some some one-on-one or what did that look like for you? It really depends on the students and kind of how, who's, excuse me, it kind of depends on the student, how, how comfortable they are with that. Um, I think we would try to get like one-on-one. I think I think it also depends on staff to staff. But we did almost all like the outreach events went to online. Like Instagram was actually a big thing that we were able to use. And then also what, yeah, that was probably actually, Instagram was probably the biggest one. And then also maybe any Facebook groups they're connected with. Um, but yeah, mostly all of it went online. Even like the large group meetings would all be on like Zoom calls and online video calls as well. So yeah, very big push towards online was the big thing. Did you find that a lot of students were really flocking to that during COVID just for that connection? Because I think that is huge right now. Mm-hmm. I think it was interesting for me because I like basically you had two, like where I was at in University of Washington, we were on quarter systems. And so we had the first two quarters were all in person getting to know students. And then third quarter, everything went online. Okay. And so we already had some established connections there, which was helpful just getting students on board. Like, hey, do you want to meet in person or do you want to go online? So that was kind of an easier thing. We have that connection built already. But one of the things I will say about online is that I found people were a lot more vulnerable being online because they're in the comfort of their own home. They don't have to worry about people who are going to overhear them in the background and things like that. So I found that to be really encouraging to see, but it was also different this first, uh, this fall quarter semester where everything is starting online right. and we still, it was more students reaching out to us rather than us reaching out to students because there wasn't too much we could really do with that. And so that was kind of the change you kind of saw this fall quarter for most crew teams, I would think. Well, and I think for me, it's so important that you are there because, Mm -hmm. again, with that hopelessness that a lot of our Mm -hmm. young adults are feeling. And it's interesting. I was just having a conversation with a mental health provider, Mm -hmm. and she said she thinks the most vulnerable right now, we're we're all talking about the elderly and being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's this 18 to 30 year old Mm -hmm. in that how they function and communicate and role is very different than an elderly individual. Yeah. So whereas an elderly might be used to a couple of interactions, this, that 18 to 30 is used to a lot yeah. of interactions. So it is just a huge, huge Absolutely. shift for them. And so I think the work you're doing is so, so important. <laughs> so I'm curious about with with the crew ministry then, mm-hmm. are you assigned to a location for X amount of time? Because I know you're in the process of, of moving or have moved. Mm-hmm. So tell me about that piece of it. Usually it's kind of like, I don't think there's any like a specific contract that you sign, like you have to be here for the X amount of years, but usually it's kind of assumed you're going to be in a location for at least maybe five or six years when you join staff versus interning. Interning, you kind of do year by year. You can only do two years of full-time interning then. But for me, working to full-time staff, my plan was, okay, I think I'm going to do, I'll commit to at least five or six years and then we'll kind of see along the way. Maybe there's some, maybe I feel God wants me to go back into accounting or maybe I really love what I'm doing and God wants me to continue on in ministry and I'll continue to do that. And so it can, it can kind of be a weird thing for, yeah, maybe some conversation I have with people. It's like, is this a long-term thing or you just want to do it for the next five years? Like, 
I'm going to surrender that over to God and let him make that decision for me along the way. So typically it is about like five or six years, at least for that first commitment. And then you kind of go after that, but it's kind of an unspoken thing with that generally. Right, right. So you were on the way to Salt Lake City. Already moved actually. Oh, you already moved. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So will you be doing the same type of thing or will it look different? I think it will be a lot of similar kinds of things than Seattle, but I think it's just students have different priorities in Salt Lake City versus Seattle. And I'm still learning that because I just learned down to or just moved down to Salt Lake City, so I'm still getting to learn kind of the culture and what students think there. Because um, I, I usually kind of compare it, I tell people that Salt Lake City feels a lot more like a bigger version of Fargo than a smaller version of Seattle. I that would makes say. sense. I, yeah. I having been there myself, I know mm-hmm. exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, what university then are you affiliated? So with? the main one there that I'll be associated with is the University of Utah in okay. Salt Lake City, and then also they have a smaller community college that I'll also be helping out at Westminster. Will be the other college, which okay. is kind of a smaller liberal arts private school there too. Okay, fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So I'd love to hear. Do you have maybe like a favorite story or two of just as long as you've been in this ministry, something that just really stands out to you? Like, wow, this just made it so alive for me. <laughs> maybe, I think maybe the story I would share with that is even how I got called to want to go into ministry. So that story actually starts back, you know, and I said, when I was in high school, I came to know God and said, hey, if you show me the way, I'm going to follow you. And I think God definitely took that prayer seriously because the summer after my soft, uh, sophomore year, so summer of 2016, I went over to Australia on a summer mission trip with crew. But with that, I had no intention of going there, nor did I even want to go there. The only reason I put an application was because I had some friends from UW who kept bugging me and bugging me and bugging me about an application in. So that was the only reason I put the application in. And I made sure they saw like the submitted email signs. So they know, hey, you guys can be quiet about this now. I'm tired of you bugging me. But what I was originally holding out for is I had applied for four internships for accounting, two in Seattle, two back in Fargo, and heard, had interviews with all four companies and thought, okay, one of these places is going to offer me a job and I'll go work there and won't, I'll just forget the whole Australia thing. But what ended up happening was I didn't hear a single word from any of the internships and I got accepted to go to Australia. Wow. So I'm like, okay, I guess God wants me to go to Australia. And so I went there, was able, actually was able to lead someone to Christ there, a woman who was half Iraqi and half Iranian. Wow. And it was really, really cool. I remember it didn't hit me until like an hour later, like I was walking back to the bus stop and I turned with my sharing partner and said, wait, did that really just happen? <laughs> oh my, wow, crazy. <laughs> I didn't. I was speechless. It was, it, so I think that's kind of like what first put the idea of like me doing full-time ministry could look like. But then that kind of faded off my next three years in college and kind of became more focused on finishing up my degrees. And then, so then fast forward to my senior year, then I was applying to a bunch of different accounting jobs, hoping to have something lined up when I graduate college and had some interviews here and there. And there was a company in Seattle I had two interviews with, and things were looking really, really good. And then that December, I went over to East Asia on a short-term mission trip with crew for about nine days. And I told the team leader over there that if this company that I had two interviews with, if they offer me the job, I'm going to take it, is what I told them. So then we flew back into the United States, was able to check my email, and wouldn't you know it, I get an email from that same company, and they had rejected me and moved on with other applicants. And so at that point, I thought that was a little ironic. I said I would take the job and get rejected from the job, but, you know, me, stubborn farm boy from Midwest, that doesn't stop me at all, and <laughs> continued to apply to more accounting jobs, but yet nothing was really showing, which I think for me was really confusing because I, I grew up all the time hearing that, oh, there's always job for accounts for accounting or right. doing taxes or account whatever. And But that just wasn't my reality. And so kind of at that point, I had to say to God, you know, clearly my plan for my life is not working. So what is your plan for my life? And I think at that point, I, there are two conversations that came right to my mind. The first one was with my, with my mentor, my disciple early in college. He asked me, Kyle, if money weren't an issue, what would you want to do? And I remember thinking about that question. I remember telling him, you know, nothing would be more worth the rewarding for me than wanting to share my, my faith with students each and every day. 
And then another guy in, on the staff team in Seattle, he challenged me, hey, would you just be open to what God would have for you? Not saying for me just to join ministry, but to say, could you surrender that over to God? Eventually, I kind of pieced the things together and said, okay, clearly God, God closed all these doors for accounting, but kept the door open for me doing ministry in crew, which is, seemed to be what my heart's true cry was. And so that's kind of how I saw God work in my life the last seven years, pointing me towards the work with crew. And very, very thankful for that. And here I am now. <laughs> wow. Praise the Lord for that, for sure. Well, and what I love about this is, number one, your trust in the Lord, right? Because mm-hmm. of that path. And, you know, when I did mission in Kenya, mm. um, there's this song they sing there, when Jesus say yes, mm. nobody can say no. Mm. When Jesus say no, nobody can say yes. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did for you. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, hello. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. Kyle, before we close, do you have any advice for someone else who may be considering ministry? What would you tell them? Um, I would say, yeah, I think, can you be, <laughs> this is one of my, my staff members back in Seattle, he would say, could you be open? Could you be open to considering what God would have for you in your life? And basically what that means is like, hey, can you surrender this over to God and just be, yeah, where do you find life in the things you're doing? Like, do you find life in actually doing ministry and having to go through some really hard conversations with people? Or do you feel more called to want to go into doing like a, yeah, just working in the construction field or being a farmer or something like that. And so I would say, yeah, really ask yourself, like, where does God want me to be and where do I find the most life and joy? And it all works. Yes. God will use all of the Absolutely. body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Kyle, Euland, you are amazing. Thank you so much for coming to join us <laughs> today. You. This has been awesome. And we will be praying for you. <laughs> and uh, audience, please pray for Kyle as well as he continues his adventure in Salt Lake City. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to live joy and share joy. <laughs> live joy. Deb McGregor of Life Full of Joy. Thank you for tuning in to Live Joy, Share Joy. We currently have availability for corporate sponsors on the show. Do you want to be aligned with all things joy and reach our listening audience? We have several options available, including our joy boosters. Contact your QFM today for sponsorship details.